you have a new handout, uh, I knew we'd been disjointed um, for many reasons, so I wanted to pull something all together. The handout that you were working on, I included the first sheet of it in this handout, and my schedule is absolutely slammed when I look at the days ahead, and particularly next weekend, so I've actually prepared here for us three Sundays worth of uh, material that I will be teaching. Um, and so that's why you have it. And for those of you that have missed because you've been away, I wanted you to have an overview of what we have uh, covered. So you'll see there on the sheet, we're looking at um, God's ideal in communication. And we have already done a, a thorough introduction where we looked at the fact that death and life are in the power of the tongue, that word problems, which we all run into, um, because we speak so many words, that, that ultimately, if we're going to fix that, we have to realize that's a heart problem. Um, word problems are heart problems. And then we came face-to-face with the reality that we speak many, many words, uh, as many as six or seven or even 15,000 in a day, and we're accountable for every single one of those words and that, that, that laid heavy on us. And so then we started going to um, the Bible to find out um, how we can speak, how we should speak, or how we should not speak. And so we've gone first to Proverbs, and hopefully when we get to the next section, you'll see why I went to Proverbs first. But we went to Proverbs, and we looked at, uh, not all of them, but we looked at some specific roadblocks to uh, good communication uh, at another t- time and place I called these communication no-nos. And, 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 and we looked at them and we thought about that and talked about that, how these need to be, by grace, uh, eliminated from our lives. I, I call them roadblocks in communication. And now we're in the last section of looking at um, bridges. Communication, to be bridges. Um, we're to be salt, we're to be light, we're to edify, we're to build one another up, we're to connect each other. And the way we do that is words. Um, God is a verbal God. In the beginning, God spoke the worlds into existence. The gospel is a, is a spoken word that the Holy Spirit energizes. And we are to be um, people of the word and then people who speak the word in our communications to be Christ-like. And so that's, that's what we're looking at um, you can see where we're uh, going there. I won't need to go over all of that, but we'll catch up with that as we, as we move along. So I'm going to look at the five ways um, the lips of the wise benefits others on the next page there, and it's called Communication Bridges. And, and we've already looked at uh, these first two, words of wise counsel and sound advice, and we talked a good deal about that. And then we looked at words of encouragement and spiritual exhortation. And, and again, we've talked about that. And, and you, got a, um, you got a snapshot glimpse today. Did you catch it? A snapshot glimpse illustrated exactly what we're talking about here. Brother Fosberg, just like that, looked at neighbors and publicly in front of us identified a spiritual quality in their life when they were like Christ and how they treated their neighbors. 
and then spoke to them in that way, in that very specific way, in a grateful way, in a way of thanksgiving. Now, had you been on the receiving end of Brother Tom's words, would your heart have been encouraged? Sure it would have been. And you can be sure theirs was. And yet, because of the kind of folks that they are, they're humbled by it. Uh, they just did what believers do. They, they did what we would do. But yet, what edification there is in that? What exhortation there is in that? And what an example, because that's what we should be busy about doing one with another, whether that's publicly or whether that's privately. Do you see that? And so that's what we talked about. Number two, words of encouragement and spiritual exhortation. And so now we're going to go to point number three so that we can get through this and move on to the next one. Three, four, and five I intend to cover this morning. And um, they will seem fairly obvious to you. Um, But I would like you to open your Bibles, if you would, to Proverbs and chapter 27. This might seem odd for me to call this communication bridges. How does this bridge? Well, the fact of the matter is we all fall short of the glory of God, and we all have a lot of needs. And if we just walk around like... You know, like what? Like, like marshmallow people, and we pretend that nobody else that we ever see is ever doing anything wrong, that nobody else is ever missing the mark. Guess what, folks? We're not going to get any better. And the fact of the matter is, we all miss the mark, and we miss the mark often, don't we? And so it's important that we talk about this. Part of communication bridges is the whole idea of loving words. Notice I said loving words. We don't usually think of it this way, but loving words are reproof, rebuke, and correction. So you're in uh, Proverbs 27. Look at Proverbs 27. Uh, The head of my um, Bible in this area, this isn't inspired, but it calls this section warnings and instructions. As you know, they're various. There's a great deal in this chapter, like there is in all of Proverbs, about communication. You notice in that first verse, you see the idea of when we communicate, we don't boast. Um, No boastful uh, words. And it even went on to say, let another man praise you. Okay, now let's think about that for a minute. Because, again, we saw it illustrated, and, and we've already talked about this to a great degree when we looked at roadblocks. Now, neither Brian or Tina would do this, I can't help myself. I'm just, that's the way I am. You, you see it and you just lay it out, so it's not in my notes. But let's suppose what happened today didn't happen. Let's learn about that and let's think about that. Let's suppose it didn't happen. But instead of praise no time, let's suppose, and we'll use Tina because Brian would never do this. Tina stood up and said, Well, while the Fossburgers were gone, my husband and I, this is what we did. We did this, and we did that, and we did this, and when they came home, we did this, and we did that, and we did everything else, and I want to give glory to God because I was able to do this for the Fossburgs. Which one of us would have thought that was actually a praise note? Are you hearing? Are you hearing down deep in your soul the difference between let another man praise you rather than it's all about you? in yourself. And, and so this word speaks to us very real and very deep. And yet there is a longing inside all of us to want to be appreciated and want to be noticed. 
But we trust that to the Lord, and we just faithful. We just be faithful, and and He'll take care of that. So right here we see right out of the shoot, this is a this has a great deal to do about our communication, talking about proper praise, talking about not boasting. And then it goes down here to, to verse 5. It, it even says an open rebuke. Better is an open rebuke than love that is concealed. It's not saying you really ought to rebuke people openly. Don't misunderstand this. This, this isn't saying that if, if I um, see you doing something wrong or you see me doing something wrong, I ought to call everybody's attention to it and rebuke you there. But it's just saying that honestly, if you want to compare two things, to refuse to love somebody enough to tell them the truth is worse than if you were to rebuke somebody openly. It's, it's trying to magnify how important it is that we're willing in love to truthfully tell people when we notice a blind spot in their life and come alongside and help them. But that's hard, isn't it? But it's a, it's a communication uh, bridge. And so we see that all the way through this particular proverb, number 27. Look at verse 6. That's what I want to call your attention to. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of the enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. If we're going to be faithful, then at times we'll have to wound those that we love. You know, in a husband and wife relationship, there should be enough humility and grace in that relationship for two things to happen. Uh, look, I, I'm a man of flesh. I don't like to be told I'm wrong. I, I don't like to be corrected. I don't like to be reproved by, by Judy. But I thank God she loves me enough to do that. And if you're a man here, you should thank God if you have a wife that loves you enough to reprove and rebuke you. Um, And vice versa. You can't be married nearly 55 years and not have a lot of times when you saw your spouse acting in an unchristlike fashion acting with an unchristlike attitude. And the ones we're the closest to ought to be the place where we can the most easiestly give gentle, loving, affirming correction. Boy, it's awful quiet in here. It's awful quiet in here. But, but let me say, it's, it's, it's critical in a successful marriage. It's the same way, isn't it critical in successful parenting? God, can you... Can you raise your children and never correct them, never reprove them, never rebuke them? I attest to you, look out in the world and go to the mall one night or wherever, and you'll find out there's a whole world that have raised their children that way. And that's part of the reason we got so much trouble. No, it's, a, it's important that we're willing to wound out of love. Look over next chapter, 28, 23. 28:23 He who rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters one with his tongue. You know you you reprove or you rebuke somebody 
you, you may not get a positive response. You, you may not get somebody that's grateful or thankful. But that is the real test of love, whether you're willing to do it no matter what the response is. I, I recognize as a pastor I'm put in situations perhaps more often than you would be, but I am put in that situation office. And I remember one time, a long time ago, I can use this illustration freely because this is so far distant. If you're sitting here right now trying to guess who I'm talking about, you wouldn't be able to guess, so it's safe. But um, Judy and I have been involved in the premarital counseling and you know, I've done an awful lot of weddings um, in my lifetime by God's grace. And, and in that, there was a, a time that after the second time we were together, uh, I knew that marriage was a disaster and that this couple was not ready to get married. You think it was easy to tell them that? You think it was easy to call in both sets of parents as well and drop the bomb? Y'all not ready to be married, A. B, you need a lot of help. We're willing to give. And C, whether you're willing to or not, I'm out of this marriage. Well, how do you think that went over? You guessed right. It wasn't pretty. Now, why am I saying this? I didn't do it to please them. Who did I do it? By God's grace, who did I do it to please? Christ. Because ultimately, the only thing that matters is that we are like Christ. Now, it's only by grace that I do that. Please, I'm not pointing to myself. At least I don't think I am. I hope I'm not. God knows my heart. But I'm trying to show you, no matter what the cost, You've got to tell people the truth because we're going to answer to God for our words. And you know, sometimes we're going to answer for God for our lack of words. If I'd have just said nothing and said, oh, well, just let it go, I'd be accountable for that just as much as I, as I would for saying the wrong thing, right? Yes, it blew up in my face. Why do I tell you that? Because I'm telling you, sometimes you'll reprove and you'll rebuke, you'll pray about it ahead of time, You'll ask the Lord for grace. You'll do it. You'll, you'll do it the very best you know, empowered by the Spirit. You're trusting and hoping that it works out that way. And it doesn't work out, and you think it was all for nothing. You know, about seven years later, a young man walked back in, came back to this church to see me. A young man came back to this church to tell me he loved me. A young man came back to this church to tell me that he was wrong and that I was right. The marriage did blow up. They went ahead and got married, and it blew up, and it was messy, and it was hurtful, and it was terrible. And God had humbled him to the point to recognize that all those years later, I actually loved him, and I didn't hate him. Now, it doesn't always have that good of an ending. And, and he's doing well in his walk with the Lord. Surely I wished he would have listened to counsel. And you'll, you'll have those times when even though you do what's right before the Lord, it's, it's going to come back and slap you. But can we be slapped by somebody else for the glory of Christ after he died on the cross for us? I mean, that, doesn't that put it in the right light? And, and so that's, that should be our heart's desire. And, and yet we should do it gently. We should do it carefully. We should do it with an appeal, all of those ways, but, but truly we would. Look at A. 
This is hard, and in reality, it's a biblical love test. And I'm going to take it a step further. It's also a biblical maturity test. If you don't do this, if you can't do this, it reveals your lack of love for Christ and his people. It reveals, it reveals your lack of love for Christ's people, and it also reveals your lack of spiritual maturity. And so um, it's, it's an area then, if that's where you find yourself, you need to ask God to grow you, grow you in his grace. And one of the things you could do is that counseling class that I told you about. 101, 102, 103. It'll come cycle back around again right after the first of the year. You, you can take that class and, and after giving a Friday night, Saturday, Friday night, a Saturday, a Friday night, and Saturday, uh, once, uh, once a month, uh, you would be amazed at how better you would be equipped to be able to do exactly this for the glory of Christ. And you know what? You'd be amazed at how better you're equipped to be able to receive a rebuke and to grow as a result of it. And so, words of loving reproof and and rebuke, um, the grief and warning of an ignored rebuke, we've already covered over on the other side, but but like this young man that I, I told you about and his families, it was very grievous what happened because he didn't listen to a rebuke. Um, that, that's the other side. That's the sad side. And yet as one that gives it, we have to be ready for the prodigal son to come home. We have to be ready with open arms. We have to be ready for someone to repent and come back. Um, or, or our own hearts can become bitter. And, and, and that which was started out good can end up bad because we start becoming bitter because somebody didn't respond right to it. Do you see what I mean? And so we have to keep our hearts right on this as well. Point number four, words of witness and teaching and prayer. We'll talk more about that um, ahead. I'm actually going to give you an opportunity for those of you that might be willing to briefly share your testimony here with the class. Um, that's an intimidating thought, isn't it? Um, a part of our communication should be able to articulate the gospel in very clear terms, very briefly. Um, so we want to look and make sure we understand what are the essential parts of the gospel. The essential part of the gospel aren't all the stuff that happened in my life. The essential part of the gospel is the gospel. So how do I weave that in? And, you know, sometimes you have a setting where you got an hour and you can tell somebody all the steps that led up and everything that was going on. But other times you've only got two or three minutes. So how in two or three minutes do you clearly communicate the gospel? We're heading towards Christmas. Just a natural opportunity there to share the gospel. So that's part of communication. We want to learn how to do that well. We'll talk a little bit about prayer and, um, and other aspects of that. But time... Um, to cover it right now, just is not there. And then last, words flowing from a good sense of humor. I have it there in your handout, in Proverbs 15, a joyful heart makes a cheerful face. Proverbs 15, 15, all the days of the afflicted are bad, but a cheerful heart has a continual feast. Listen, life's hard. 
it's okay to smile. It's all right to laugh. It's all right to have a little bit of fun. You have to balance the heaviness of life with the feasting that we have as God's people because of the gracious way he blesses us continuously. Listen, I have a lot of bad days. Do any of you, by chance, does anybody else here besides me have a lot of bad days? Yeah, we do. And you know, once in a while, I need somebody just to make me laugh. Just, just say something stupid funny. Can I put those two words together? Stupid funny. I know, I know, Sherry, we don't, we don't teach the little kids to say stupid. I get, I get that, all right? But stupid funny. Okay, I, I, I need that. Thank you, Claude. Um, he's, he's said some stupid funny things to me. <laughs> Did I just say that? He said some funny things to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it comes out in my teaching. Heaven and hell hang in the balance, and there's nothing more serious on the face of the earth than that, but sometimes that's so heavy, you just got to take a break for a minute and breathe and laugh and say, glory to God, he saved me. Glory to God, he's coming again. Maybe today. There's always something to smile about, isn't there? In the heaviest and darkest of grief, Jesus is coming again. I'm going to spend forever with him. There's always something to smile about. There's always something to praise the Lord about. And so there has to be the balance of the two. And so it surely is a mistake to be so frivolous that there's not a serious word about the gospel that ever comes out of your mouth or your life. Or you're always so down and pessimistic you would think there isn't a God in heaven. It it would be wrong um, to live on either side of those things. We're to be people of moderation. Rejoice in the Lord, again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation, it says in the King James, the newer translations would say reasonableness. Let your reasonableness be known to all. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Philippians chapter 4. Before you get to those verses that say, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the God of peace will give you the peace that passes all understanding, and it will literally guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ the Lord. Father, we need you to help us to be balanced people who communicate well for the glory of Christ that are careful with our words, joyful with our words. Our words are not idly spoken, but they're words that are spoken with intent to lift our brothers and sisters to speak truth to them or to the world for the glory of Christ. Would you help us? Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're dismissed.